Welcome to the Black Hereford Chronicles with Jen Hill. Join me for insightful conversations and interviews about our cattle industry. Here we discuss the shared struggles and successes of this life we've chosen as ranchers. Here, we seek to learn from the experts around us, eager to grow and challenge the accepted. Here we are, the Black Hereford Chronicles. Today's episode is a fascinating interview with Marty Ropp of Allied Genetics. We cover a lot of interesting ground about utilizing genomic information to further your breeding choices. But before I jump into that, I want to talk about a different genetic topic that's been making waves. Within the cattle industry, there's a lot of quiet background talk about gene-edited cattle. It's one of those things that's been murmured about for years, but that a lot of us just sort of set to the side. It's complicated. It sounds futuristic and sciency, and it doesn't directly impact my bottom line today. But that's changing. And it's an issue that we're going to be forced to address sooner rather than later. As Black Herefords, we're impacted by the decisions made both by the American Hereford Association and the Angus Association. But the issue of gene-edited cattle is bigger than those even. It will impact every sector, every nook and cranny of this industry. A little over a year ago, the AHA sent out a survey to members asking about their thoughts, their willingness to accept a Hereford that had been gene edited to produce a black hide. That should instantly raise some eyebrows for you guys, right? Are you listening now? I have no idea what the results of that survey were, and I haven't heard anything from the AHA on that topic since, which is kind of interesting in itself. You flip to the other side and you've got the Angus Association currently considering allowing gene-edited cattle into their registry. Their board of directors will vote or perhaps quietly let the issue drop without bringing it to the table on whether Angus cattle who've been gene-edited to promote better slick-off should be allowed within their registry. They're considering it because they've been asked to, because the technology is there and they can make this happen. Now, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of knots to untie on this issue. We could spend a long time talking about what the potential consumer response could be. Consumers have repeatedly said that they aren't interested in food that feels connected to a lab in some way. And gene edited is likely to scare a lot of them. But at the end of the day, most consumer decisions are driven by the almighty dollar. So if you could get that price point way down... Would they be willing to stomach the lab feeling of gene-edited beef? Perhaps. But what we do know is that they aren't currently clamoring for it. No consumers are out there saying they'd like food created with science they don't understand. But the piece of this that I find even more interesting to think about is the motivation behind it. Broadly speaking, gene-editing technology could be used for good, There's talk about BVD and other disease resistance edits. It's easy to see the potential benefit of that, but the edit Angus is specifically considering is the slick gene. Who benefits from better shedding cattle? Well, producers in hot climates. Right now, the South American market is growing. The cattle coming from south of the border are improving and fairly rapidly, in large part thanks to their ability to AI and then compete with lower production costs. Producing cattle with far fewer regulatory burdens is just cheaper, but they still have a problem 
with the high grading quality carcass type cattle typically not faring as well in their climate. That's why so many of them cross with some eared cows. But boy, if they could get their hands on carcass bulls guaranteed to slick off, that could be a game changer. And boy, the semen companies selling that genetically edited slick gene semen down there could make a fortune. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for the American rancher? Our production costs will always be higher. We have far more regulations and laws that we have to follow that add costs into every single little piece of our operations. We will never be able to produce beef as cheaply as South America, where there are few rules. But what we've always had going for us is better quality. Sure, it might cost a little more, but it's better. What happens if we use science to alter the nature of some cattle, making it easier to produce high carcass quality in hot climates? What happens when suddenly there's a flood of quality competitive beef coming from Brazil, from Mexico, Argentina, but at much lower price points? How will we compete then? So you see, the implications of genetically edited cattle run deep, and so could the consequences. On a less stressful note, let's transition into the real purpose of today's episode. I want to take a second here and thank J.H. Cattle and Todd Hampton for their wonderful support of this program. They are so committed to the breed and their passion for raising quality black Herefords at J.H. And here at the Chronicles, I am grateful. J.H. Cattle just finished their spring calving season. And guys, if you aren't following them on Facebook, you are missing out. Take a peek at what they're raising down there in Tennessee. J.H. focuses on quality over quantity. And with that philosophy, they are pushing to further Black Hereford genetics and create the future stars of the breed. If you want to know where the purple ribbons and banners will be going soon enough, take a look at J.H. Cattle. You can chat with Todd about his plans for his herd and goals for the breed by giving him a call at 423-302-8054 or shoot him an email at jhcblackherford, all one word, at gmail.com. Intentional breeding decisions that speed up the process of genetic improvement? Yes, please. I've been watching the Right Mate and Right Choice programs by Allied Genetics for a while now, using precision genomically enhanced information to improve every single mating you make, and then having the opportunity to back up the truth about your bulls with a third-party verified badge checks a lot of boxes for me. But I was waiting for cost information, waiting to hear that the ABHA Board of Directors would share our genetic data with Allied preventing breeders from having to run their genetic tests twice. Looking at you, Angus and Hereford. I know that I hold the board's feet to the fire sometimes, so I'll take a moment here to commend them on that decision. Giving us the right to share our data with Allied was the right choice. So well done, boys. When the news came down, I knew I'd want to get Marty Ropp from Allied Genetics on to talk about these programs. Let's dig in. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Black Hereford Chronicles. I've got a guest on today that I'm really excited about. I'm excited about what he's got planned. I'm excited about the opportunities that he's going to talk to us about and the implications that they could have for Black Hereford breeders. Well, for for seed stock breeders of all breeds, frankly. So Marty, would you introduce yourself 
and just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're at. And I, I mean, I'd say what you do, but you do a little bit of everything. So let's hear all about it. Yeah, I, um, my name is Marty Ropp, and I started a business uh, called Allied Genetic Resources almost 14 years ago. And uh, we've grown that business into a, uh, we've got 10 employees now. Uh, we are spread out all over the country and we do uh, everything from uh, genetic research all the way to down the chain to feed your calf marketing. We uh, do a lot in the seed stock business and the commercial sector both. Well, and one of the things that I was really impressed with the first time I got on your website was that you guys really do cover everything that that you could possibly need, whether you're the cow-calf guy looking to market, seed stock guy looking for opportunities. I mean, you guys have a lot of opportunities available to people out there. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And that's that's our goal. We're, we're still not as far as I'd like to be uh, in that regard. But um, it's one thing, you know, a lot of times seed stock producers, they focus on we're going to make the perfect animals. And uh, maybe don't focus enough on how's the next, you know, the next segment in the chain and the, and the one below that. How are they going to make money with, you know, from our efforts uh, so they can make money and they can you know be uh, long term customers because they're successful. Yeah, absolutely. We started out as a cow calf operation and then built in seed stock just in the last 15 years or so. And it's interesting, I think, having both sides of that out here, you see things kind of in a different way. And, you know, years like this where inputs are so high and everybody's getting concerned, it's it's hard to be the cow calf guy saying, oh, well, shoot, I can't spend that on a bull. And then you're the seed stock guy saying, well, I can't produce a bull cheaper than that. You know, it, we're in an interesting place in our industry right now. Yeah, the, really, the, the best seed stock producers focus on our customers. Yeah. And uh, so we try to surround ourselves with the best seed stock providers based on the fact that they've got great relationships uh, and do and want to provide extra service to their customers. Uh, just you cannot have a business um, where you starve your customers to be successful. And and uh, so that's what we focus on. Perfect. Well, today I want to kind of dive in a little bit into two of your programs that you guys have recently kind of debuted, the Right Mate and the Right Choice program. So let's just start super broad and kind of give me some background on just because I'm just now learning about this. I know you guys have been out there for a while. So tell me where that came from and how long you guys have been doing that. And we actually, um, and we we started with some beta testing, but bottom line is that uh, Dr. Sachi and I, Dr. Marty Sachi, whose technology this is, and we would just work with him on that technology to, uh, to disseminate it to the beef business. But uh, we started, gosh, the first seed stock cows we bred would have been four years ago. And again, we started with just a couple of, of herds, eight or 10 herds the first year uh, to try to, we didn't want to deliver something that I couldn't feel good about, you know, from a validation standpoint. And uh, now four years into it, we probably work with 150 seed stock herds and a growing number of commercial herds uh, with the with the technology. And the technology, just to, so it's not too confusing, right mate and right choice are the same technology. It's just that right choice is a simplified um, selection tool for commercial producers primarily uh, that just helps them get what they want more often and, and don't have to maybe scan through quite as much information. And uh, right mate is actually the mating tool. And that's that's where the power is, is making the next generation uh, both better and more uniform. So okay, uh, it's so been a it's been a good journey so far. Let's dig into right mate a little bit. I know in some of your guys's uh, promotional materials, 
that you describe it as a precision mating. And I love that because I think that so perfectly explains what it is. So walk us through what right mate is. Um, right mate, I'll just, maybe I'll just use an example of how a producer might use it. Um, we, we have to have the DNA, uh, the genotypes, full genotypes on both the sires and the dams. Uh, then Dr. Sachi matches those genotypes, uh, subjects it to, um, you know, to some, to, to what the resulting EPDs may be like as well. But, you know, because we do pay attention, it's not just the genotypes, we pay attention to the genetic evaluations too, uh, to help deal with, um, you know, the, the wider spectrum of genes versus the large effect genes that kind of are the cornerstone of this business which I probably should have mentioned first, but, um, and then also uh, there's a tool in there that helps manage genetic diversity and inbreeding, because we know as we ramp up genetic selection to be faster, you know, from a, from a uh, improvement standpoint, we risk losing diversity and we risk uh, breeding ourselves, you know, into a corner. And uh, so this, this tool also helps you manage your, your genetic diversity as well, which is particularly more important in some, in some seed stock, uh, organizations than in others. Well, one of the things, you know, just because you mentioned taking those, that data, um, I want everyone listening to know that the American Black Herford Association has approved sharing that data on your genomics over with Allied. So, you know, I know not all breeds have done that. And some breeders are, you know, have to go ahead and pay for those tests to be run a second time in order to access that program. But Black Hereford breeders do not. So talk about an advantage there. You know, you're only paying for that test once and that data is all being shared. So how does that work? If I'm thinking that, I, you know, I, I want, I should just own up and fess up and say that one of the reasons why I really like right mate is I am impatient. I'm not a patient yes. by nature. Yes. And that's hard in the cattle industry because genetic progress takes so much time. And you're, you're kind Absolutely. of eliminating some of that time. So how does that work? If I decide that, you know what, I've really got to up my weaning weights. I'm, I'm concerned about weaning weights. That's a focus for me this year. How can you guys help me achieve that? Uh, that's a good question. And we do. I think one thing that's unique about the program is even though um, it's even though we have uh, large effect genes for multiple traits uh, and we do these prescribed kind of precision matings where actually the first thing that happens is the bulls that should not be bred to that female are removed from the list. And then the rest of them are ranked. And uh, if you as a producer say, tell us, you know, Hey, I want to do this. And, uh, but my priority is I need weaning weight or my priority is I need to improve marbling or I need to improve uh, cow longevity the program can be tweaked to put more emphasis on those traits. It doesn't bring bulls. Once a bull's off the list, he's not a good choice anyway, but once he's off the list, he doesn't come back on, but the rankings can be reset based on breeding, you know, breeding uh, priorities. And I think that's, I think seed stock producers embrace that nicely because everybody does have just a little different philosophy, a little different, you know, things that they want to customize their own program and their own brand to do. Uh, and this allows, this allows you to do that based on traits or you can do multi-traits or you can lean on one or another um, so that it's, it's still your decision to make. So am I giving you those potential bull choices or are you just running those through a database that you have? How does that work? Um, currently you get, you provide the bull choices um, in with it. 
now maybe explain a little different program, but um, you provide the bull choices. Uh, you may for your herd, maybe for your heifers, you say, I'd like to choose from these 10 or 12 bulls. We then mate all of those heifers to those 10 or 12 bulls. Again, remove the, the choices that are high risk choices or that are, you know, have a possibility of uh, a higher probability of a negative result. They're gone and then rank the rest of them for each individual animal. Uh, we do have a program called Rate Mate Plus uh, where maybe a maybe an Angus breeder would take an Angus donor and we'd flush her to every Angus bull in the database and uh, give the results and he would get a list of 50 or maybe 100 of the of the best choices um again with that many choices the difference between first and second is tight is close um but it does remove bulls that shouldn't be used on that particular female which that's been a learning curve for me because it explains so often it explains, oh, that's why that mating didn't work. <laughs> I thought that was a perfect mating. And it was not a perfect mating because they had some genes in common that were, that uh, the weaknesses were in the same place. And uh, so that created some, some issues. So there is a, there is a program for mating donors like that. In general, we don't do that for rank and file cows. For one, it's a lot more expensive. And um, for, again, for second choice, it allows you to, to do what you'd like to do and uh, prioritize the bulls that you'd like to prioritize. and. And uh, we just try to help you use them as as uh, correctly as you can for making progress. And and the reduced uh, the reduction in variation in the calf crop, I think, is probably as exciting to me as the genetic improvement. Um, you know, we can ramp up the we can ramp up the slope to your genetic improvement, uh, but we also remove the tails. And uh, one of the things you'll notice almost immediately is that there's fewer small and fewer big calves on the uniform. And I think that's got tremendous implications for the commercial business moving forward. Well, there's nothing more disappointing than putting in all that time and effort on a planned breeding that you just know is going to be your rock star. And that calf hits the ground and it's, you know, at birth, it's hard to tell a whole lot, but you still got hope. And then by weaning, it's just a giant, wah, wah, you know, but there's, and I, I can't tell you how many cases uh, where somebody is, you know, they're, they're kind of quizzing, kind of asking questions like, well, Marty, what if what if I mate this bull to that cow or flush this bull to that cow? And, and uh, he pulls up the genotypes. He looks at them for a few seconds. And he says, oh, it's just that would be a very foolish decision. <laughs> of course, at first, you know, kind of like they kind of stiffen up and they say, well, I wish you'd have told me that before I flushed the cow, because that's one that's the only bad flush she's ever had. He says, well, there's there's a good reason for that. Genomically, that just was a regardless of you know, what I'm not saying you didn't make the decisions based on sound, you know, on uh, sound chances of it being successful. But you were handicapped before you start. You you were you were paddling upstream. Well, there's only so much you can know from looking at the basic EPD profile and pedigree. Yes. And, it does, that, and again, we use the EPDs as, as part of what we do uh, because, you know, we account for the large effect genes independently. Um, but then there's also there's hundreds of other genes that affect those traits. And so we try to we try to use the EPDs to characterize the rest of the genome, um, the important genes for that trait. Well, and, you know, I think it's important for people to keep in mind that this doesn't take away from phenotypical evaluation either. You, know, you still have to be looking at feet. There's, and, and I get a, I get the biggest kick out of that argument uh, because. Uh, you can't. I mean, the seed stock business is becoming more sophisticated every day, and is and the and the amount of competition is higher every day, and so therefore, some people are like, well, you know, we got to look at the cattle, and some people are like, well, we we have to have genetic evaluation that's, you know, second to none. 
And the answer is yes. And yes, <laughs> you don't, there is no excuse. There's no excuse anymore. There's no excuse for cattle that don't provide genetic value. And there's no excuse for cattle that, that don't have, you know, structural soundness, um, you know, appropriate testicular size to pass tests, cows that last a long time, disposition that's livable, you know, all those things. You have to have all of them. And, but you're uh, forgetting the cornerstone of how we make decisions in this business. And that's my grandpa didn't do it that way. Don't get grandpa started. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there is. And there, there's so much, you know, there, there's so much history in this business and so much tradition in this business. And I think that right mate allows for enough of that um, to, to satisfy the folks that are more interested in that tradition, but still, you know, keeps as a guardrail, keeps you out of the ditch. Yeah. I've got a brand new sponsor to introduce you to, Schrader's Black Herefords down in Babtown, Missouri, where they are passionate about cattle, family, and American Black Herefords. Schrader's is truly a family operation, where owner-operators Jason and Kristen Schrader are pulling on generations of century farm knowledge. If you listened to episode 30, you know Schrader's have a wealth of knowledge and have built an intentional program with an eye on legacy building for the future generations. Their children, Austin and Cole, and grandson Weston, are an integral piece of the program, as is Jason's dad. Schrader's Black Herford sells bulls all over the country by private treaty and feature a few of them, along with some heifers, at their annual production sale, alongside a few other breeders, for the Central State's Select Black Herford Sale, held the first weekend in November down in Lebanon, Missouri. Traders have built their Black Herefords with a philosophy of growing maternal traits without losing focus on carcass quality. They'll be taking reservations on upcoming yearlings soon, so make sure you are in the loop on Schrader's Black Herefords. You can call Jason at 573-680-1439, he loves to chat, or check out their website, which is truly a wealth of knowledge on all things Black Hereford, Schrader's Black Herefords, all one word.com, and follow them on Facebook. It's a follow you won't regret. One thing that I've been wondering about is the way this applies to Black Herefords. You know, we still have a much more limited selection pool of cattle available to us. So how can right mate work when the selection is so much smaller right off the bat? I, I think it works. Actually, I think it works well regardless. But one thing that uh, because it's a, a smaller gene pool uh, to help with uh, to help manage inbreeding, and manage genetic diversity. I think that's I think that's a big plus of the program because even though we you know we for years we've used pedigrees to evaluate um, you know how inbred an animal is uh, when in fact if you actually can study the difference in the genes that were traded between sire and dam um, you know there's half sibs that are highly related and half sibs that are not highly related and so you can help manage that diversity in a smaller population. I think that's one big thing. Um, the other thing is, as you look in Black Hereford at, at migrating in new genetics and trying to make decisions um, using information that is not, you know, is not what you see from your own breed association, it allows you to make some decisions that way that I think will really help in the, in the development and improvement of the breed. We've talked a little bit about, you know, those high impact genes but I want to be real intentional here on, on what those are. You know, color code is always the easy one that comes to mind. Uh, polled horn status is always a hot one in Black Herefords. 
But what other high impact genes should we be thinking about? Amadi uh, actually works with a suite of those genes uh, that are either genes that that he's identified himself or that are available, you know, in the public sector. That these genes have have large effects on birth weight cavities. Um, some of them for growth rate. Uh, a couple of three of them that really affect longevity and stability. And then some carcass large effect genes as well. And they can be different between breeds um, as far as the magnitude of, of, um, of how important or how large those effects are. In certain breeds, there may be a gene that almost is not impactful in, an, in a different breed. And so that allows for some, you know, to do some unique things in, in different populations that you can't do across populations. So it's, there's the point is you have to get these right because even though and I use this example with a couple of genes, even though they're not technically a genetic defect, they are somewhat broken. And so therefore, when you get two copies of them, you get a, an effect that's negative that you're not interested in getting um, versus other genes where the difference between you know the, the three different potential genotypes are not that much different. Uh, but for certain genes, the effect is big enough. You have to get those right. Like you had mentioned polled. You've got to get that right. You don't, you're, you're never looking for a, for a uh, um, little P, little P, little P. You got to keep those. So in the precision mating for that specific gene, we have done that for years. We don't breed heterozygous polled individuals to each other because we take a chance on having an outcome that we don't like. And uh, we use that same philosophy through a set of genes that affect uh, quantitative traits. In this case, uh, again, cavities, growth, cargus traits, and maternal traits. If someone is is kind of thinking about dipping their toes in right mate, is there anything else they should know before they start bugging you guys? Like I said, and you mentioned it before, but you know we have access currently. We have access to um, genotypes from American Simmental, uh, from North American Limousine, from uh, McGalvey Association, uh, Red Angus, and Black Hereford. And so if your animals have been registered and genotyped through those organizations, you already have yeah, you already have the tools that you need to move into uh, into working with Dr. Sachi and Rightmate. Uh, if not, then uh, we have to work toward uh, getting second copies of genotypes. In the case of the large Angus breeders that we work with and some of them, they've got to re-genotype cows and, and uh, may even have to re-genotype their candidate sires in order to get what they're after. And so it's a little longer process and it's certainly more expensive. Uh, we're hoping at some point to be able to access um, access those genotypes. Is a, it's more of a political, it's more of a political ramifications than anything else because we do sign contracts that say we will not, we will not share your genotypes with other organizations. We will not uh, develop competing indexes and EPDs like some organizations may by having access to your, to your genotypes. Um, it's a, they they go to top genomics and they stay there. So I'm not gonna lie. I was blown away when I realized that Angus, because we also breed Angus, that you guys don't that I don't own my data. You know, I would have always assumed, and it's always in the fine print that you know you never take the time to actually read. But I was blown away to realize I don't own my data on those. So I would encourage, cause I know we also have a lot of Hereford breeders in this association, you know, it doesn't hurt to make a phone call and just remind your board of directors that <laughs> you should have some say on where that data goes and, and who can access it. Well, we, we've always felt that way too. I mean, you paid for it. 
Matter of fact, you paid a lot for it. Yep. And uh, then not to be able to utilize it to its fullest extent, to be limited in the ways that you can utilize that that information, I think is um, a little disingenuous, probably. Um, and realistically, if you don't use that that uh, genotype data in a very a fairly short period of time, it loses value. I mean, genotype data that's seven or eight years old, uh, even though um, you know, we're still using those cows, that genotype data becomes less valuable because it's it gets mired in them and um, and lots of other genotype information of that same vintage. And so, um, and I, I, we'd like to believe that someday we'll be able to access that data more easily. Um, but um, currently in certain certain circumstances, we can't. And, and I think Angus and Herford, I think, are good examples, and, and particularly a good example in Hereford. There's a couple of large effect genes in Hereford that really, um, a lot of this has to do with the fact that that breed's been more closed for a longer period of time. Uh, but that really are not that impactful in other breeds. And they're big ones. I mean, they make a lot of difference. And uh, we could shore up some uniformity issues in Hereford, I think, very, very quickly with uh, wide uptake of of uh, right mate in the Hereford population. Well, if there's any breed that likes tradition, it's Hereford. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it, traditions, it's always a double-edged sword because tradition is what got you where you are. But uh, uh, you still have to be able to make the right decisions for yeah. the future. Well, on the flip side, you know, I, one of the things that intrigues me so much about right mate, like I said, is, is that it helps me not have to be quite so patient, but anyone who's listened to this show for very long knows that I feel very passionately about marketing and about proving the legitimacy of the black Hereford breed. And that's where the other program I think comes in so beautifully. And I'm really excited about right choice. And I know that right choice, you know, usually when you talk about it, you're speaking to the commercial guy, but I want everyone to hear that and be thinking about how that can work on our marketing side as well. So tell us about right choice. Sure. And and right choice and seed stock producers use right choice too, not just on the marketing side, but also for some decision makings and decision making in the short term. Um, right choice is just a series of simple logos, badges uh, that reflect the ultimate value of a of a a bull or a female and um, help you make some decisions long-term there are, and it's all based around the large effect genes and ACE is maybe the easiest one to understand the ACE logo. And that's accredited cavities. And that just means that for the large, at the, at the locations of the large effect genes for high birth weight, and a couple of them are big, um, that that bull has no negative copy to share with that female. Regardless of what she has, he cannot contribute to her problem. And she may still have a problem, but he is not going to be part of that problem. And uh, so, therefore, that bull is. And, and we put a we also put a um, oh a, a minimum value on Cavanese EPD too, because again, we don't ignore the rest of the information. But unless they're completely free from those three larger birth weight genes or have the, the right copies uh, for all three of those genes, then he doesn't get an ACE logo. Um, on the on the converse of that, maybe you're trying to buy growth bulls. And a bull like an, you know, an ATM bull is a wonderful. Um, he's going to provide substantially more growth and muscle and power than what you'll get out of an ace sire. Uh, however, he should never, ever be bred to a heifer, ever. Um, and maybe maybe you could get away with that a little bit through Madi's breeding program and you know, kind of snake through the, the cones and not, not hit any. Um, so a little bit of a thing. But if you're just purchasing that bull to take home and he has an ATM logo, don't breed him to your heifers. Um, the third logo is the G plus logo, and that's a nice balance logo. 
um, particularly the, the genes that affect longevity and maternal traits uh, that Dr. Sachi works with, um, a nice combination of those genes without big problems on the Cavanese side. And uh, those bulls are in the middle. Most producers, when they come to purchase bulls, um, really look at the cheap plus bulls because they, they calve easy enough, they grow well enough, cargus traits are pointed in the right direction. Uh, those bulls are are sound that way. They're just real con- convenience oriented bulls, and uh, they can't have an eight. They can have a G plus with ATM, which is balanced bulls with more growth, or G plus bull with an ace, which is a balanced trait bull with more cavities. And but it, it just sim- helps simplify that decision um, instead of you know twenty five categories of raw weights and EPDs and and pretty soon you you uh, you know you kind of muddy the water as far as what you're really there to purchase a growth bull a heifer bull or a balance bull and uh, we, we go we go fairly far and say if the bull if it doesn't have a G plus don't keep daughters out of it he's terminal only and if he's uh, if he doesn't have a you know and if he has an ATM don't breed him to heifers like I said before so there's some straightforward things but the rest of it just helps you sort through the choices and to help you get toward toward where you'd like to go based on how you want to use that sire. And I think, you know, as the seed stock industry has grown and there are so many more producers out there than there used to be, we've seen a lot of marketing jargon that gets thrown around a lot. And having an unbiased third party that has looked at your genetic data and can confirm, yes, this is a calving ease bull, or yes, this bull is going to put out high growth, you're going to have pounds on the rail. I think that really helps legitimize what you're saying. And that is something that a breed like Black Herefords <laughs> that are relatively new and still unheard of, we we need that. Yeah, no, we, we appreciate that. And uh, you know, Dr. Sachi just does an absolutely wonderful job. Uh, whether it's working with us, whether it's, you know, we uh, we help fund some research projects that Dr. Sachi's as we, you know, as we look to improving our program and even adding some new things to it. And, uh, but he doesn't, there's no, there's no gimmicks. He just looks at his computer screen. He says, yeah, that bull is going to, he's going to sire a lot of growth and a lot of muscle. And then what's, what's rewarding to me a lot of times is that, well, most of the time is that if you go out and you look at that bull, guess what? He's big and thick. And people are like, well, how did, how did Monty know he was big and thick? <laughs> so, well, because he evaluated the, the genotype and the genotype said the bull was big and thick. Um, and if you put all the, if you had ace bulls that didn't have any G plus were just straight aces and you put them all in one pin, it's really disappointing. However, it confirms what you believe from your past. It confirms the tradition. You go, yep, those are just heifer bulls. And they are. And they have value. No, yeah. they, have, they have value. But it, the ability to sort even phenotype based on these, you know, a fairly simple genomic evaluation has been that's been mind changing for me Been mind changing when it didn't you don't always see that in all the other evaluations that you, you know, you expect this calf to be a big yearling weight calf and he's not. Uh, and then you look at his evaluation and he's not even an ATM and you're like, I wonder how that happened. But that's maybe why he's 200 pounds lighter than the rest of them. So it's, it, it's, it's complex science simplified. And I think that's the part of it. That's probably the, the uh, catches the most attention when you work with producers, whether it's seed stock producers um, or commercial producers, is you know you don't have to know how this works, but it does. Just like uh, you don't have to know, you know, when you do soil testing or whatever, you don't have to know exactly 
how to make the fertilizer. Somebody else is going to make it and bring it to you. And thank uh, they know more about it. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. You don't have to guess. Kentucky's finest, Triple T Farms, is a data-driven operation. The Tartars are true believers in the philosophy, you can't measure what you can't see. Teresa manages an extensive data entry system for the herd, focusing on proven and correct data to influence decisions. Tim's philosophy is that selective mating of the herd is vital and that mating sires and dams that genetically complement each other is the key to a successful offspring. Triple T knows that to increase customer profitability, those decisions are vital and they can't be made with bad data. At Triple T, customer satisfaction is the top priority. They pride themselves on repeat and loyal customers that believe in their program and the passion Triple T has for breeding real-world cattle that are problem-free, fertile, docile, and functional. Cattle that will make their customers a better profit for years to come. The fact is the Black Hereford breeding program works and their loyal customers are a testimonial to that. Triple T has cattle for sale private treaty all year long and semen available on five different bowls. They love questions and visitors. For more information about Triple T, visit their website, triple T black cattle, all one word, dot com, or email Tim at triple T black Herefords at gmail.com. You can also give him a call at 606 305 2289. Accurate are these programs? Um, I I would argue that they're maybe accuracy. I would well, they're precise. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, they uh, when we for the large effect genes that we're looking at, when we have both the sire and dam, it changes it. And this isn't maybe scientifically. This could be said better by somebody smarter than me, but it changes heritability into inheritance. You know what you're going to get. Um, if both That's parents an excellent tagline, I feel like you should be using that all over the place. <laughs> if if both parents are big B, big B, then you know you're going to get big B. And there, there's no no question about it. Um, and if they're heterozygous, you know you're going to get a percentage of them like this and a percentage of them like that. Um, but we try to remove that third genotype in most cases and try to concentrate on more big Bs, even though you start thinking about trying to make them all, you know, trying to get the right um the right genotype at 10 or 12 or 15 gene locations, that becomes a, becomes a chore. And that's part of the reason why somebody has to do that work and evaluate those genotypes to get that. But so it's, we can tell you exactly what you're going to get at that particular locus. Exactly. Uh, we don't promote it that way. We promote it as this is what you can expect from a, you know, a value difference. Um, but in fact, it's, we know. So for those genes, we know. And that, now that we've got, Another thing, and we'll be coming out with more information about this soon, but we now have the oldest females are three that were created by the program. So there's one, there's a smaller group of, of a three-year-olds and a very large groups of two-year-olds. And uh, what we're beginning to see as far as um, uniformity in those females and the reduction of calving problems and the breed back rates and things like that, Ultimately, that's where that's where the real value in this thing is going to be. It's nice to be able to sort the first generation, but as you're able to do this in multiple generations, it's been it's been like I say it's been eye opening and and uh, it's nice when you visit with um, with some of the producers that's been doing it for a while, and they say you know we had 177 two year olds calve this spring, 
and we had two slight assists in Montana in snow. He said, that's changed our lives. We're going to basketball games and maybe sleeping a couple more hours. And, um, you know, with, with breed backs and that kind of that kind of stuff, too, helps breed back. Like you can't believe a reduced dystocia. But those are females that were created in the system and then mated uh, to bulls in the system to um, create a second generation. And it's and that's one just a, from another you know, little tidbit kind of a thing. But when as it's always it's people have always said, well, I'm going to you know, I've got 100 heifers spree or 10 heifers, spree, whatever it is. And if you want the most uniform calf crop, you should use the same bull in all of them. And in fact, that's not even close to being right. And close. It may be may take you four bulls to get the most uniform calf crop on those 10 females. But that, I mean, that doesn't mean you go out and use four random bulls. It just means you use a precision mating tool to make sure each one gets mated the right way. Um, in the case of a large commercial heifer set, it may be more simple than that in that these 75 heifers really don't require a substantial Cavanese bull. They require a nice balanced bull that's, you know, that's not crazy for birth weight. But these other 25, they have issues. And they need to be mated. Re, it's They need to be mated to a completely different bull and um, to try to take out some of the potential problems. And those 25 heifers will be the problem ones. It won't be the other ones. They really are not um, genomically set up to create cabin issues uh, like their sisters are. So um, I think it's got a lot of ramifications for even for sorting into breeding heifers to get as much as you can out of your heifers and just be cautious on the ones that are potential problems. Well, and you have to really be thinking about these things intentionally. And that's actually one of the things that I love about this program is that it encourages that type of thinking. We know no matter what sector of this industry you're in, if you want to be successful, you have to be thinking about all of those decisions intentionally. Yeah, and it, it sparks, uh, it has sparked more conversation about genetic improvement than anything I've ever worked with. And uh, I've been doing this, you know, I was at Semitol for 12 years before I started uh, working at Allied. So it's been 26 years in the beef genetics business and then in the swine genetics business before that. And, uh, you know, we've talked about genetic improvement and we talked about the industry has talked about improving uniformity every year for 100 years and have never done it. And uh, so this technology allows us to to promote those thought processes and that discussion that you're talking about and that uh, that focus, because uh, you actually have you actually can do it now. And even though I mean, the first the first story we always get from seed stock producers, not always, but enough is <laughs> I've heard this many times is, you know, I'm pretty good at mating my own cows. <laughs> Yes, we know that's we know we know that's why you're still in this business and why you're successful. Um, but uh, if you'll just choose the bulls, let us help you be better at it, even better than you already are. And um, we know from experience that we can do that. Well, I think it's a matter precise. of wrapping your head around the idea that it's not saying you can't do this or you can't figure this out or that you're doing anything wrong. It's that you guys are offering a deeper picture than what you can get on your own. It's just an additional tool. Yes. Yeah. And like I said, after, after a couple of experiences with it, uh, those producers usually, um, they realize that pretty quickly. And some of them are like, you know, it used to take me uh, two and a half weeks, made an individual cows sitting on my couch, scratching this one off. And now I get a spreadsheet and it, takes me one evening and I really like that. <laughs> Perfect. 
All right. Well, the big question everyone's going to have, what kind of costs are we talking about? Sure. Um, right. The right mate program is $25 a cow. And um, unless and, and for large herds, once you get to five thousand uh, dollars, that's a maximum. And so uh, it becomes cheaper once you've done 200 cows. But uh, for less than 200 cows, 25 bucks a cow. Um, for right choice, if you're using right mate, the logos is just two dollars. The evaluation is two dollars an animal. Um, if you're not a right mate user, then it's six dollars. And when we do the right mate plus, where we flushed all the bulls or breed all the bulls in the in the system, that's three hundred dollars a cow, and that's why it's a little more cost prohibitive. I can see some some wheels turning on that one though with Black Herefords because we've got a lot of people really focusing on creating those awesome F ones right now. And and I can see some potential with that plus program. Oh, I think I think it's that opens a lot of doors. Yeah, that opens a lot of doors as long as we can as long as we can access enough sires, and um, that's it's we're we're getting that problem solved slowly, slowly. But the nice part is that when you know when, as we add genotypes, the database gets bigger and bigger, and it, you begin to access more potential options. Uh, whether that even in breeds where we don't have direct access to genotypes, we still have other sources where we can pick them up here and there and, and build those databases into something important. So if people are interested, where can they go to find out more, to figure out how to get involved? Yep. Um, probably the easiest way to learn more, we did some videos uh, with Grant and Company well, a year ago, I guess, half a year ago, um, that do a pretty nice job of explaining you know, the, the pluses and minuses of, of uh, precision technology. It's on our website www.alliedgeneticresources.com. And um, Dr. Sachi's on some of those videos, which is, I mean, it, it one of the nicest people I ever worked with. He's one of the nicest guys I worked with. And uh, then Tom Hook helped us out with those two. And Tom helped, works with Madi directly on the program, working primarily with seed stock providers to, to help them move through the uh, those decision-making processes. So you get to see both of those. Um, contacting any of us directly, uh, Tom or myself is probably best. Uh, this time of year, you are not going to get Marty on the telephone. He is breeding two, three thousand cows a week, and um, he's uh, he's tied up. But uh, uh, in, if you get on the website, you can find our contact information. Tom Hook and myself are the best the best options. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking some time today to to walk us through these programs. I really see a lot of benefit to this, and I'm sure I will not be alone in that. Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate too appreciate you doing this. Again, expect to see us more in the commercial sector too. Uh, we're moving into that sector in a big way here, moving forward, and and to do some of the same things that we do on the seed stock side, just little different models because of the way that people make breeding decisions on commercial herds versus seed stock herds. Well, in some ways, it's a different language. No, we appreciate it. And anytime you want to visit more, you got more questions. Just get a hold of me. That's what I do every day is answer questions. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can get in on the conversation over at our Facebook page at Black Hereford Chronicles, where we'd love to hear from you. Of course, don't forget to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 